Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Oki Show Show for January 25th, 2018. I am from the planet Zorp and I'm very happy to be here with you today. I want to eat your brains and gain your knowledge. <laughs> okay, that works. Well done. See what happens whenever I ask Lainey to do an intro with me. You're welcome. I did not laugh. That, you nailed it. Thank you. Hey guys, in case you uh, want to hear more great gems just like that, you should go to patreon.com slash show and be a patron. Now you can uh, donate money all the way from, from like two bucks all the way up to like 50 and depending on how involved you want to get, you can win a t-shirt or you can donate so much that you actually end up on the freaking show. So go to patreon.com slash show show. Why is everything about money with you? It's because I see the wheels are turning and got to keep those wheels are turning somehow. Got to got to oil those wheels when they get squeaky because they, you know, if you don't oil them, they could get rusty and then the are machine you, just starts just to kind of lock up and get you, all noisy and Are you nervous babbling right now? Cuz he's wearing a like a $1000 Gucci suit right now. He's sweating pretty hard. So you're really ruining this intro. I know. <laughs> they can't hear the sound of my Gucci watch. <laughs> Instead of like tick, 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 it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sound. the sound of like the Bee Gees staying alive. <laughs> it's that, that's the sound of something expensive. Mm hmm. Ooh. Ah, 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 ah. 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Gucci's like into that, but here we go. Yeah. Hey, in the meantime, this is already the weirdest intro ever. In the meantime, uh, on the 31st of this here, January, go to YouTube. And even though we don't have a thousand subscribers and like they just changed all their analytics. So like all of the small folks like us that are trying to just make fun content, you gotta have like a thousand followers, subscribers and like 40,000 hours of content to be able to get a domain name. So basically youtube.com slash show no longer exists thanks to the great minds over at Silicon Valley. Uh, so basically you have to search for Show. And you will see on January 31st, the one, the only... Sean Connery, School of Accents. What's that again? I said Sean Connery, School of Accents. What's your Irish accent? It's this, obviously. What's your Spanish accent? It's this, obviously. What's your Russian accent? It's this, obviously. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So tune into YouTube. On uh, January 31st, you'll get to see that glorious sketch. <laughs> so bloody funny. <laughs> Gotta like this intro. Just killing it today. You're really loud. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this, this is his normal talking <coughs> voice, by the way, if anybody feels sorry. Can you imagine me. being married to, like, um, Gilbert Godfrey? Yes. Actually, Brian, I can. Funny that you bring that up. I can. What would it be like being married to Gilbert Godfrey? By the way, you're not allowed to come see me at work anymore because you talk so loud about the most inappropriate things. It's like you save them. And There's so- nothing more appropriate to talk about in a bank oh my gosh. than sweaty balls. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so you can't come see me anymore. <laughs> you love it whenever I surprise you. I never warn you whenever I'm going to show yeah. up at the bank. Yeah. 
So today's episode is about directing. <laughs> That's all that I have to say. What's the sound of a goat turning toward you? Yes. <laughs> But they have to see the gif. Like, it's doing, like, an exorcist. Like, its head, like, does, like, a full <coughs> 360. <laughs> Goats are funny looking on their own. But then, like, you, you, you add on top of it just a picture in your mind's eye. A goat dramatically turning towards you to look you square in the eye. And as it's turning, it goes, yes. See, that's why I like birds so much is because it always looks like they're doing Because <coughs> they look at you with the side eye. And it's the birds don't have that voice. Yes, it's just a little They're, higher. Birds sound like Gilbert Godfrey. No, they stop it. I'm a bird. That's why I've been cast as the voice of a bird like five okay. times. You are gonna lose so many listeners from this, just from this opening. Like if you keep doing that voice. You know what? Good. Like I would just click off immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, nope. Well, for those of you that are still listening, uh, this episode is actually super, super fun because we are talking about directing. We're not talking about um, the like, what's your inspiration behind the, the glorious metaphorical imagery of your films? <laughs> no, we're talking about like what do you have to do to get a consistent job as a film director uh how do you get started um how do you stay on budget and on schedule and like actually important stuff that will help you get a career as a film director and today we are talking to mr brian cates of the skit guys Uh, Mr. Patrick Kirk of Video 405, uh, and he's also the director of The Office Case and The Broad Squad. Hate him, too. And Mr. Jacob Burns, who is a stranger to the show. Hate him the most. Oh, dang. (laughs) These are are actually all my favorite people. Like, I showed up just to hang out with them (laughs) when they were doing this. I'm the groovy. No, you're like the heckler. I'm the heckler. You're yeah. the the old. You're those two old guy Muppets combined. <laughs> yeah. What are their names? I don't know. I can never remember their names. That's how I feel on the inside all the time. But I try to be nice. Yeah. It was short. We loved it. No. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Thank you. Thank you. That was really impressive. Thank you. I don't laugh like that, though. It's just like the cranky side of them in me. It's not the... Oh! Yeah. It's never that. It's just the... Yeah, I can't think of an example. I'm not funny. Because I'm from the planet Zorp. <laughs> we don't have humor there. Right. So on that note, let's get straight to it, shall we? Mr. Brian Cates, Patrick Kirk, and Jacob Burns talking about directing. Viva la Zorp! Hello and welcome to the podcast that explores the inner workings of the Heartlands Entertainment Industries. I'm Brian. I'm Kelly. And so much show today. So much show. There's a lot of show. We got a lot of show. A boatload of show. How many shows can we show them today? I think at least like three. Three shows in one. Combined. Okay, That's a show, lot of show. Show, show, show. Oh, the okay, show, okay. show. Wait, cubed, cu- cool. yeah. cubed of the cubed. That's right. Showception. Today, <laughs> weirdest <laughs> intro ever. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about directing movies. This is a topic that I've been uh, not quite reluctant to get to, but like I've been holding off because like I wanted to. I feel like every entertainment behind the scenes thing focuses on directing and i wanted to get a couple other topics out of the way before we really hit this one hard 
But this one, this is a big one. So, uh, everybody, please welcome to the show. Uh, we have a multi-award winning uh, director of the 48-hour film race in Oklahoma City, Patrick Kirk. Yeah, yeah imagine <laughs> there's like an audience here. It's <laughs> awkward. We have the winner of the uh, Best Oklahoma Film of Dead Center 2016 for Electric Nostalgia, Mr. Jacob Burns. And we have the uh, one of the directors of the Skit Guys, uh, one of the basically the owners and minds behind Behold Motion Pictures, and also winner of the least likely to attend his ten-year high school reunion, Brian Cates. <laughs> Great job on that one, that last yeah, one. I won that really one. well done. Yeah, well done. <laughs> so, uh, so today we are talking about directing movies, directing short films, directing TV and commercials, just directing everything. So you guys are are some pretty good minds for us to tap into. So I'm excited to have you guys. It's weird having you all on for the first time ever. Y'all have never been on the show before. None never. of them. Wrong. I've what been shows? Been. <laughs> You've been a guest co-host, Patrick, on the show. Well, that counts, I guess. We get but you've never actually been on as a guest, so oh, welcome okay. for the first wow. time. Do I get a gift bag this time? Um, I actually have a sticker for you. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Fancy. Well, is it the same sticker that I already have? Probably. Okay. Yeah. It's a really good sticker, though. It is a great sticker, dang it. Quality. So uh, we're going to be talking about directing, but before we get started with the directing, like really getting into the meat of it, I thought we would play a fun game. Pass. Uh, as all of you know. So the disaster artist uh, came out this last Thursday. It's weird. Is it weird that the midnight showing is no longer the midnight showing? It's just the Thursday yeah, showing. At like 8 o'clock or something? Yeah, yeah. It's just, why don't we just... Like it's just going to be older. keep going we farther and farther. We can't do those midnight back. shows anymore. So they're like, oh yeah, that that generation's they're a little old. Yeah, they don't like the midnight. Let's do eight. Eight's, I think a, good, eight's a good time. <laughs> I think they started off of like, you know what? Here's a nice hack of making more money <laughs> yeah. during the weekend. <laughs> just push it a day. Before. We'll add more midnight screenings. Yeah. <laughs> it's the seven o'clock midnight screening. <laughs> so the disaster artist is out, and um, which is kind of funny because this episode's probably going to come out like a couple months from now. So this will totally be, still be relevant. But I thought this would be fun uh, of a game of was it Stanley Kubrick or was it Tommy Wiseau? <laughs> <laughs> this has me excited. <laughs> uh, Stanley Kubrick, of course, is the notorious director of 2001 Space Odyssey, uh, um, The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. What else has he done? A lot of things, I think. I have a personal vendetta against <laughs> Stanley Kubrick because really? of what we're going to be getting into interesting uh and then tommy wiseau of course is the notorious director of the room which is also known as the greatest worst movie of all time so here we go so basically uh, i'm going to ask you a series of questions and you'll have to tell me was it tommy or was it stanley okay so Are we taking turns um we're just shouting we're it just, out. Just, just, just shout them out just shout them out consensus Okay, so... I feel like uh, Jacob's going to sniff out the Stanley Cooper yeah, ones well, pretty... <laughs> okay, so first question is, uh, this person had all of the outtakes and deleted scenes of his film destroyed so that no one could re-edit his movie. Was it Stanley Kubrick or was it Tommy Wiseau? I'm going to go with uh, Tommy Wiseau because I think it would just be too hard, like movie after movie after movie for... Kubrick to be able to do that. I would agree because it feels like a more modern uh, YouTube era thing that would happen. <laughs> so 
the re-editing of a film. I don't want anyone to see how bad. <laughs> but, you know, Kubrick could have been just really paranoid that people were going to get his hands on the 35 and yeah. just re-edit yeah. it and mm. do things after he died. Yeah. So we got two for Tommy. Yeah, I'm going to say Tommy. We'll say Tommy. Sure. Okay. It was Stanley Kubrick. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he did that with all of his movies. All of his movies? He did Every that? single one of his movies, he destroyed all the, uh, the, he destroyed thousands of cans of film of all the outtakes and all the deleted scenes. I wasn't just wrong. I was like CNN level. Wow. <laughs> oh, dang. Wow. Okay, so question two. Um, he took so long obsessing over the proper response to a fan letter that the fan actually died before he got his response. <laughs> was it Stanley Kubrick or was it Tommy Wiseau? Um, I'm going to go last. It's not influence. Anybody. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Yeah. Kubrick. That sounds Kubrickian. It was Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently he's just like Kubrick? kept writing. It was a director who wrote a fan letter to him and he was also a fan of this director and he was like, I've got to get the perfect response. And the guy died before he finally. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, question three, uh, he refused to pay for air conditioning and water during a summer shoot, which led to one of his elderly actors going to the hospital from heat stroke. Was it Tommy Wiseau or was it Stanley Kubrick? I'm going to say that's Tommy Wiseau because I don't think Kubrick would have been in charge of his budget like that. Yeah, I was going to say Wiseau. Mm. Probably, yeah. It was Tommy Wiseau. Mm -hmm. It was definitely Tommy Wiseau. (laughs) (laughs) So did this happen on the room? Totally happened okay, on the road. Yeah. Was wow. that the summer older Larry? LA? I was like, which Refused person was that? I want to know what happened yeah. to her. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone who's seen the disaster artist, they they knew the answer to that question. Okay. Um, let's see here. I'm gonna I'm just gonna do one more. Um, or I might go. I might go. I'm, I'm, okay, I'll do two more. All right. So uh, this person had a private bathroom built for himself just a few feet away from the set, and this bathroom was complete with a toilet, a sink, and a curtain rather than a door. Was Why? it Tommy Wiseau or was it Stanley Kubrick? I'm going to go with Dwight Wiseau. Uh, yeah, again. I was going to say Tommy, yeah. yeah Kubrick sure. being the ultimate <laughs> control freak has to have a he door. He has to have a door, I think, right? I think he would have had someone drive him to a bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> it was Tommy Wiseau for sure. Yeah. Oh. Far away. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, right I, I, there. I must be able to hear everything that's going on, and in turn, they must hear everything that's happening Ugh. here. Getting lots of good tips for my next set. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so okay, last question. This director is notorious for doing countless takes up to the hundreds and going far over schedule to the weeks and or months. That would be Kubrick. Actually, I'm going to go with Kubrick. both here. Yeah, oh. <laughs> both. I know. I know. Well, yeah, we've got I know both. Kubrick did. We got a Kubrick. We know takes, Kubrick did. I, mean, I don't know anything know. about we it. Was, it was definitely both. Nice. Yeah, that was like, my trick question yes. of the day. <laughs> Good job. I win. <laughs> I win. I win. I have a. Vi- I don't know why, but I cannot enjoy Stanley Kubrick's movies. If I was to maybe just like mute it and look at the cinematography, I could probably like get super into it. <laughs> because like the guy's an amazing visionary, but God, like all the stories of behind the scenes. There was one question that I didn't ask in here. Uh, Stanley Kubrick actually like refused to let one of his lead actors from Full Metal Jacket leave the set to be with his wife, who was having a baby via C-section. She was getting cut open. He was like, "No, 
You can't oh. leave. And, he, and the, so the actor literally had to threaten to cut himself oh to be able to get off the set and go to be with his wife Aww. for their, the birth of their Whoa. child. <laughs> <laughs> what an artist that Stanley Kubrick is. That just sounds like a great father, though. I know. I was like, what a good dad. A, he you passed the dad, dad test. Yeah. Yeah. You hear a lot of stories of dads that just working so much husband. that they, yeah. they missed yeah. the birth of he their kid. He was like, no, I'll kill myself first. They probably regret it, but they're, they're <laughs> no. fine with it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then he only needed to use, like, the, like I'm a great dad guilt thing one time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost mutilated myself yeah. for you. Yeah. In front of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. yeah. Why would you do this, son? Don't you understand? The, ne- the next question I is, did he ever work again? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Again, because probably not. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to know who that actor was. Yeah. Um, who was it? It was it was like the lead actor for Full Metal Jacket. And I oh, honestly oh. don't recognize the name. Oh. So maybe then he again, didn't I, work. I'm not exactly a, a film historian. So, hmm. um, okay. So we are talking about directing. Um, so then what am so I here for? first off. <laughs> Real quick, all of y'all, like basically in the most basic way, basically, could you basically, basically. <laughs> uh, so just basic. describe a director's duties on a film? Uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you describe <laughs> it? <And a> hush. <laughs> um, I think a director is the, I mean, they're the ones, they're at the top of the mountain creatively. Um, there's other things like producers and stuff like that. They're more in sort of like the business side of whatever, but like all creative decisions, the buck stops with the director. He has a lot of people under him that helps with all that, obviously. Um, but they're the, the, the director is the one that kind of leads the ship uh, from the creative standpoint and then delegates, hires the crew and delegates to others to kind of bring, bring forth this creative vision. Nice. The chief creative officer. Hmm. It's a very Star Trek. Of or you can even say a uh, chief collaborative <laughs> officer. CCO. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, it, I think it's pretty, pretty accurate is that somebody's got to make the final decision on all the creative things. And um, that's the job of the director um, in a more like um, philosophical uh, I just hit the mic. Uh, <laughs> I'll let it in. He said, don't do that. Um, (laughs) In a more philosophical view, it's, it's, you're the one who's got to set the tone. Like you have to create, you're the, your job is to create this, um, um, safe space for everybody to go, okay, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. A lot of, most of those ideas are going to get shot down because ultimately we can only go in one direction, one vision, but, but you basically have to come up with a vision and a tone and an environment, um, that, that basically gets everybody onto the same page. We're making the same movie. We can't have mm-hmm. the cinematographer can't be making a noir film and you're trying to make a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have, you know, you know, costumes in the 1930s and it's, you know, a sci-fi movie set on the moon. I mean, you've got to get everybody thinking in the same mode, not, not as robots, but as, um, people on the same page who are going to have their own ideas, but, but inspired by that vision that you give them. So, uh, to me, it's, it's that chief collaborator basically that gets everybody herded together into that same mindset that ultimately serves the movie and makes the movie the best it can be. Nice. Mm. Brian, you got anything to add to that? I I agree with all that. I think, um, 
uh, aside from making the movie, you know, probably one of the most important roles of the director is um, to set the tone for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, pe- people follow people that they love and respect, and I think every good director um, should should be just that. I think I think they should be a, a really good leader, a really good tone setter, um, and able to work work well with a lot of people from a lot of different places and um, all come together to make something really great. Um, I, I feel like I talk a lot more about the experience of making the project than the project itself. And so um, that's something that, you know, that we always try to um, think about a lot. But yeah, um, but yeah I, I would say, at least for me, that that's probably one of the more important roles or yeah. You know, well, and I will say that, like, whenever we're working on a skit guys set, and like whether you're directing or producing, really, pretty much, like any kind of skit guys set that we're on, like it's so much like there's such a joy that's on those sets, and like it's oh, so drama free, and like because we've been on some shoots under skit guys where like, my gosh, like we had a, a guy who his his wife had like a, like a medical emergency in the middle of it and he had to leave. And then like, it was down to one of the producers, like who had to step into the, the directing chair to be able to like finish the day. And everybody stepped up to the plate and like really killed it. And like, I'm pretty sure Jacob has done that on, on one of our sets. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> have you? Yeah. And we're probably talking about the same project yeah. because I had to be off the set. We are. And then, yeah. uh, yeah. and then, uh, uh, Adam Carter was going to be directing mm-hmm. and then his family had a medical emergency. So both of the guys that usually direct are gone. And so, uh, Jacob's just over here, you know, touching, <laughs> like a touching a camera. Yeah. 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 Well, you were, yeah. Yeah. So you were DP on that. Yeah. I think so I was like, he, yeah, I pressed the red button. Yeah. So he yeah. came, he came in and, uh, and saved the day for us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was the height of collaboration. Uh, that's actually a really good lead into kind of the next question, which is like all the different types there, all the different types of shoots there are where you are the director, because like from what I've seen that there are, there are three different kinds. There's the one man band where you're the director who's also running camera and you're also producing the whole darn thing and you're, you know, running to get crafty and all you're doing everything. And then there's the step up from that, which is like the skeleton crew where like, you're still running camera as the director and like maybe you have a producer or something like, but then you have the, the third one, which is like the full size crazy. Am I missing any? Are, I feel like, are, are there any That's other right. ones? That's pretty much it. Like what are y'all's experiences in it? And just like advice, like based on those three types, like we'll start with the one man band. Like how do you handle that? Like wearing so many different hats. Uh, one man band operation is how I started. It's a great way to make a lot of mistakes get really (laughs) frustrated and not do a good job uh the great thing about being a one-man band is that yeah you you have ultimate control but then uh in in a you know you're going to get blamed for everything as well if it if it doesn't work out so uh yeah it's a great learning improving ground and a lot of people do it because they have no other option Mm -hmm. i mean i think i think probably Every I feel like that's how a lot of people. I think start probably out. every director probably starts yeah. out as a one man band totally. at some yeah. point, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's a great way yeah. to just get your hands dirty. I mean, it really is the sandbox of directing. I mean that. Yeah. That's that's 
that's the the genesis of it. You get the people. fail forward a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then in post, you're like, oh man, I should have gotten that shot, or I should have the yeah. actor do this. Yeah. And then you start you start piecing those things together, and then you're as long as you're remembering that and being mindful of it the next time, then you get to make a whole new set of mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I still do quite a lot of it. And I, but I think the key um, for anyone doing that, and it, it'll be hard for someone who's just starting out, but but you if you are in that directing spot, then you need to kind of come at, you need to come at it with confidence and just say, I'm making these decisions. You know, you're going to have a lot of times like with client work, I'll have uh, the client rep from the, the marketing firm and then I'll have the actual client on set. Um, a lot of times like doing like a car spot and they're kind of, they've kind of got some pr- ideas themselves uh, and you just kind of have to go, okay, we're doing this, 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 cause we need to do it this way, this way, this way. So it can connect in the edit. Um, and you just kind of have to, you have to take charge of the situation, mm-hmm. but again, do it in a, you know, polite, respectful way. But but generally, if you start making those decisions and you and you do it with a little bit of confidence, people get in line pretty pretty quick, and so you um, are then able to kind of concentrate on all the other stuff that you have to do. Because I you know, know I need to set up a light. I know the camera's got to go there. I know I got to get these people mic'd. You know, it's yeah. it can be it can be like herding cats sometimes, but. Um, yeah, so I have a question about that. Is it okay if I ask a question? Please do. Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> so I, looking back on my, you know, one-man show days, inevitably I would forget something, two things, 20 things. Mm-hmm. You are literally jumping back and forth. Like, you know, you, you get back in the editing room and you're like, oh, I didn't pull focus. This whole oh, thing oh I didn't of, hit the red button. This whole thing is out of focus. So um, have you developed any sort of, systems or workflow to kind of check off a mental checklist in your mind of all the different duties that you're doing? That's such and a good question. I was yeah. just thinking, I was thinking about that. Yeah. Like, that's so, a lot of things. Like, first thing, I, I never step on to a one-man show without my shot list mm. because that that just makes everything, um, it gives you a clear path forward, um, and then you got to really kind of push to stick to that. Um and Some, a shot list for say, those of you listening. And what is that? Yeah. <laughs> is so, a camera script. Yeah. Go ahead. So, yeah. <laughs> Describe it for more. those at home. Um, and you, you look at the script, and it's got you know person A walks in, talks to person B, person B goes, ah, I'm out of here, and they leave, and that's you know that's the scene. So you have to figure out how to shoot that. And shot list is basically say, okay, well we need a wide. So that we'll need to see person A walk in, and I hit another mic stand again. Uh, <laughs> Could you just stop uh, hulking out on the stage? <laughs> just, I'll just, stay in your tiny yeah. box, Patrick. Stay yeah. in your tiny box. I'll, I'll do the Trump pose. Yeah, yeah. there you um, go. But yeah, so you know, you know, you need to get the wide shot covering the person walking in, and then you might want to grab the wide of the person walking out. Um, you're going to need a medium kind of showing them closer together, and then you're probably going to need a close up and a close up. And if you know, say like. Uh, an important prop is used, you're going to need to get a cutaway of that. So you would go wide, medium, close-up, close-up, insert, right? And so by having that already in place before you walk on, okay, that's one step taken care of. And now you, you know, you're not having to worry about how the shots are going to cut together or how, you know, or making sure that you get the shots that cut together. So you have you a know, map. Yeah, you, you have, have a map. map of, yeah, you of give the yourself day. a little guide. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, that almost takes care of everything. And then you just kind of checklisting, okay, camera's up, audio's up. Um, and then kind of working on like, I've got like my audio, my, my camera package, um, my audio recorder, it connects to the, um, the rails 
and it's right there on the camera. So it's all right there in front of me. So there's no way I can miss that. Oh, miss rolling the audio. miss rolling the, um, video. Yeah. It becomes intuitive after you yeah. do it a lot. You don't, you don't think about like, Oh, I need to remember to press record on these seven different things or whatever. Cause you just, that's yeah. part of muscle memory and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And then you're constantly looking like my eyes, a lot of times aren't going to, you know, what, what the action is happening. It's going to, is the record thing on, is the red light on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I just kind of checking back and forth, but, um, you know, and then simplifying, um, not doing it like in my one man band scenario, I'm not going to do a big complicated move with a focus pool. It just, yeah, it just, that's, just that's don't good do word. it. And, uh, cause you just, it's just never going to pull off. Uh, the way you need it. And a lot of times though, the other thing is you're on a commercial, you're doing a one man band. It's commercial. You've got 22 seconds. Um, most moves aren't going to work, yeah. um, in that time period. And not going to, the, um, um, so that's a pro tip on commercials. Uh, don't do <laughs> fancy complicated say, moves. I feel like, like there's a time and a place to be Peter Jackson or something. Right. You know, but you need, you need at least that, that next level up crew, someone who's operating the camera and can do focus, uh, before you really can start thinking about those complicated moves. So if you keep it simple um, and you have that shot list going in, that takes care of most of it. And the rest is just practice and repetition, like Jacob said, yeah. uh, of knowing, okay, and then sticking to tight rolls and tight cuts uh, is another thing that really kind of helps. I want to touch on something real quick um, for, like, you know, the, a student who's beginning film school and you're saying, I want to be a director. I feel like a lot of focus in film schools is like the technical stuff, but like then there's getting a job after you leave film school and you're just like spit into the ether of the world. Uh, can y'all list off like all the different types of directing jobs that you can get? Because we have the one man bander, but as a one man band, what all can you do like as a director? I mean, that's basically, basically going to be like local commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also, um, it kind of dovetails. So, you know, you put up a website and you, you get yourself going out there. Um, you'll also likely be almost like a camera op director. Uh, so I do a lot of like production support. Yeah. So an out of state producer, uh, has a corporate video gig that they need to do. They're not going to bring a director and their camera gear and lights from out of state. They're going to hire me locally and I'm going to show up and you know, the producers there kind of conducting client interview type stuff. Uh, but I'm basically doing everything else. Yeah. So that's another, so you got, you know, your small commercials, you've got your, your local commercials, you've got those type of corporate things. And then, uh, if you really want to get out there, um, great thing to go to is go find some nonprofits then see if they want, um, um, see if they want to take a shot on uh, someone making them a little video and you make a little like nonprofit style documentary for them. Oh, that's good. Um, that's cool. So you do like an about us video where you do, uh, if they have like uh, somebody that they recently helped, you do their little profile story, stuff, yeah. something like that. And so, um, yes to all those things. But the, the, <laughs> the big no. thing is that, um, that he kind of touched on a little bit was, and then you can go somewhere and try and do something for these people. Um, and so like right out of film school or something like that, there's not going to be all these job listings for, we need a director. On right. right. You're never going to go in for an not, interview. I was say, that's like, not like a um, listed in the classified. Exactly. Thing. Unless so, it's like, probably not a job you want if it is. Yeah. I'm just saying. When I graduated college, yeah. my dad, bless his heart. And if he's listening, I love you, dad. And thank you for doing this. But he got me a suit for all the interviews that I was going to do for, you know, getting my, getting a job in uh, film. That's awesome. Yeah. And I still have it. I still have the suits and I wear it from <laughs> time fantastic. to time. 
but I've never worn it to an interview. <laughs> yeah. So like what right out of film school, what you're going to be doing is if you want to direct then you just need to start directing things um, and you'll have to those will have to come from you. Um, yeah. whether you're making short films and like, and you're going to um, make millions or yeah, exactly. <laughs> spec Ryan, commercials yeah. or whatever. And then you kind of, you're trying to build up a reel and stuff like that. Or so, just like, uh, a portfolio of stuff that you can show somebody. And then, uh, you know, hopefully eventually the right people see it basically. Yeah. Um, and it's about putting yourself out there. You gotta, you have to start thinking of yourself as a brand really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about selling yourself to people. So um, if you can buy your name, your your name as a website, do totally, it. totally. Yo, oh, Patrick, is that a, I was to say that's a good idea to just like, like yeah, right out right out of school, yeah. go ahead and buy yourself a domain name that's yours and. <laughs> no, yes. actually, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Yeah, so that's a good idea. No, I'm being serious there. Uh, yeah, it's a joke. Uh, I, I think that he forgot to renew it, and it came up, and I grabbed it, <laughs> and and I've been offered many thousands of dollars too. Uh, but I'm like, I kind of sort of need that. Uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, like going into you are you are a brand. Yeah, yes. so you need you know put up a website, get a Vimeo page, um, and get everything posted there, and and get your stuff from the Vimeo page onto. And a Vimeo page might do it, like as long as that's a link, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, you can you can change the, the you can actually change the URL yeah. on the end of the Vimeo page to be your name or nice. your username. But mm-hmm. but if you can get a website, that's you even better. Um, okay. And then just just start posting stuff to it. Um, that reminds me, Kelly. I've been meaning to tell you. You need, you need to buy the domain name BensonHCook.com. I will, Benson. Screw you, Benson H. I Cook. I see you on Instagram, and I think your pictures are delightful. We're watching. Your adventures watching in Canada you. make me jealous, and I'm going to buy your name on the line, and then I'm going to make my own website. We're going to steal your identity. Yeah. He stole our identity. For, anyway. for a short time. <laughs> now the show has turned into a series of threats. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sad because it's to a Canadian and they're the nicest. He's Ugh. the nicest Canadian <laughs> ever. Um, so, okay, real quick, I want to touch on um, uh, what, what do you think makes a successful director? Like, not what makes a great director, what makes the Spielberg or what makes the Kubrick. Like, what makes a successful director? Somebody that has a career in directing. Winning trophies. Perfect. Winning Win trophies. all the trophies. <laughs> and where do you put those trophies? Hardware's how you keep score. In your mom's house. <laughs> Up your butt. So yeah. there's actually a certain level of truth to that. You should, if you're going to make something, you should have other people look at it. A great way to do that is to submit it to festivals. festivals. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is where you meet people. Yes. That is where you meet people who are not in your town mm-hmm. and they're they may remember you. They may not remember you. They'll probably remember your work. Yeah. Especially if it's good. Well, and even a, if you don't win anything at those festivals, keep those, keep those laurels and put them up on your website. Cause mm-hmm. you know, being accepted sure. to a film festival is step one. Yeah, sure. Yep. There's also a boost just from, cause a lot of times we're talking about one man director in, especially starting out, you will be on an Island and you'll feel like the only person in the world doing what you're doing mm-hmm. um, and going to a festival and networking and getting with other filmmakers suddenly makes, oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not alone. I'm not, you know, I'm not just, you, yeah. know, you know, off in the ether by myself here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other people trying to do what I'm doing and you will you will get a boost just from being around because you'll be inspired by their work and you'll yeah. see okay, mm-hmm. they're doing it. They're making it. I can, too. Every director out there knows what it's like to be Noah building the ark. 
yeah. because you you just you just don't have the boat. You have to build it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and until it's built, and until the flood comes, no one's gonna no one's gonna follow you until everything falls into place and you've created the situation where oh, it's time to work and this idea is really great. We doubted you forever. We thought your vision was crazy. We didn't get guy walks into X and leaves with Y. We didn't get it. But now yeah. it's wet outside and we'd really like to be a part of your project. Yeah, every director knows what it's like to be that. So it's it's not gonna fall out of the sky for you. You have to you have to make the yeah. you have to make the boat. And I'd also like to say, um, even if you, directing is your ultimate goal, um, kind of look at the other fields as well, like whether it's camera or editing or production designer, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and try to get work as that in the in- industry as well. Yeah. So that's another, that's where I've met most people that end up on, you know, my sets. I probably met them on some other set where I was a camera op or yeah. an AC or a DP or whatever. I feel like that goes into networking too. Like networking exactly. is so crucial it's, to anything in oh, this absolutely. particular industry. Yeah. Like, and also like Jacob, why don't you touch on the importance of like, whenever you're working those below the line jobs, when you're not a director or writer for the listeners, like you're called below the line, you know, the importance of taking those jobs for learning experience. Yeah. Um, for sure. So like I started right out of film school, I wasn't directing, feature films um i direct short films on the side but then um i got work as like a camera pa or a camera intern uh whatever i could get um on whatever feature or whatever was going on i just try and get on the set somehow um and so yeah like the, the number one thing is just like networking and meeting people um and then number two um just take take in the surroundings and just be very mindful of how the sets are running, why they're running that way. Um, uh, and like you said, like take notice of the director and like the mood that he's setting for the whole set. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it, it, it's, it's working or not, like there's some sets are, you know, you guys, we all know some sets are miserable. Some sets are <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so what's good about just working on a lot of sets is like finding out like, okay, why, why was that one miserable? Why, why did no one enjoy working on that one? Why was this one so much fun? Um, so just really kind of take in and then just see like, and then just look at the the different people, like who's, who's a lot of fun to work with, whose personality did I work well with? Um, and then, you know, become friends with them. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the main thing. Just like kind of soak it, soak it all in. Uh, you can learn the technical stuff as well, obviously, like just being on set, you're going to learn more about the craft, but it's, it's also very illuminating for, how things are run and why they're run the way they're run. Yeah. And so to go further with that as experienced directors, are are there things that you have found that kind of consistently work to set a good tone on your sets now? Like, are there tricks and things that you kind of apply to most films or or things you're going to be doing to set that basic attitude and atmosphere? Yeah, everyone gets winning lottery tickets. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, are there any tri- you know t- tricks yeah. and tips that you could give? Because uh, I, I mean, I remember being on like <laughs> great food. Yeah, yeah. great food. Yeah. Well, food's always good. Yeah, yeah. joking, but not food joking. is yeah, always yeah, no. good. Like Jeez, I remember yeah. just like we, I had several different directors in theater that you know they wanted to give a feel for the play that we were doing. Right, so if one was a very dark play, they would they would try to they'd get us in these dark moments, but try to bring us out and be positive outside of 
acting so we wouldn't always be so depressed and mm-hmm. down you know because like that can spill over into yeah, your regular absolutely. life so are there things that you've learned to kind of insert into your at the beginning of your filming that you do that with I think like overall like as a director like just being super grateful for everybody being there and putting time into this thing because the, the, the d- directors have a lot of um oh, what's the word um everybody looks to them like they're the leaders of the ship and then there's a lot of like clout kind of put behind directors and their vision and, and all that um and so like why are these people here to help you make this thing mm-hmm. to help you make this story that spoke to you in some way why are all these people here part of it is money obviously but <laughs> if you want them to truly collaborate and help you make it better than what you ever imagined they need to want to be there every day yeah. um and so like for me that's one of the number one things is just like constantly being grateful for everybody and just making sure that like it filmmaking is stressful period it's just that's just part of it um but doing your best as a director um, as a leader on the set to not let that stress that you're feeling infect the rest of the crew mm. because it's not, you know, the AC's fault that the scheduling thing has gone wrong or something yeah. like that. Or, you know, it, it, there's a myriad of problems that could come up and most of the time it's not the crew's fault. Right. Um, it, it, um, and so just doing your best to be grateful and not let that stress kind of seep in and infect yeah. the rest of the crew. And have excellent crafty. Exactly. Yeah, and on and on, <laughs> on a specific piece of advice on not letting the stress shine through is make sure that you when you are having that stress moment, your things are changing so fast. Like on the forty eight we did this year, mm. that was that was the most dynamic uh, shoot we've had. And <laughs> two or three times as things were changing, I was like, I need to step away from uh, yeah. the set for totally. a second yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and reorganize my notes and do it off to the side and not think out loud in front of everybody because that's what gets people that'll, that'll really rile up that's a good yeah, that's and, good then, yeah and, you've, and if you don't have clarity of mind with your crew and then you step back on and go hey here's the plan yeah um, and everyone's like oh, okay yeah cool Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing worse than a director who's like, what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> who's acting a PA say, how he feels about how the shot <laughs> that's is. A, those are like the two extremes are like having literally no idea what you're doing. You're, you're voicing <laughs> that to everyone on set and they're feeling really positive now. Or being overly intensely bossy because yeah. you are trying to enforce your power. You know, like right. to come back with a clean like. You I have a plan. Pronounce the H like, right. Yeah, yeah. I, ha- yeah. I have a plan. Let's uh, implement the plan. You know that that's yeah. a good note. I think. But beyond stress, have make sure. I you know it is a job, and we're supposed to be getting paid. And like on a commercial, you're like supposed to be, you know, there, there's some high stakes involved with that. Um, but have fun. No, nobody is on that set. Because they <laughs> fell into it, backed into it as a career, and they didn't, weren't really sure what they wanted to do. It's not like there, there's a lot of careers people like back into and they do for 20, 30 years and they're miserable at it. No one does that in film. Mm-hmm. No one has ever been on a set because, oh, uh, well, I guess this that's, I went to school to be a plumber and then poof, yeah. I'm a PA. Everyone <laughs> wants to be there. And so use that to your advantage and, and make it, okay, you, we want to be here. This is what we want to be doing. Um, it's like um, there was a scene from The Rookie, a movie about baseball. He was a like 38-year-old uh, high school oh, teacher. Oh, Dennis Quaid. I love, yeah, Dennis Quaid, yeah. You know, his ends up making a major league team at like 38, <laughs> and he's going through the minor leagues, and and he's doubting himself, and, and um, 
and he makes the call home and they're like, we're so proud of you. And, and it keeps him going. And then the thing he says the next morning when he shows up in the locker room is, hey, guys, guess what we get to do today? We get to play baseball. Yeah. yeah. And that's the attitude I think you got to come into a, as a director on set. It's like, hey, guys, we're making a movie today. How cool How is that? How awesome is that? Totally. Yeah. You yeah, know? totally. And I think you start off on that foot and everyone else falls in line just like that because, yeah, it's freaking cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and it's kind of funny because, like, since when you're running sound on, like, every type of different shoot and everything, like, the novelty can wear off, sadly. Well, it can feel like a sound a, guy. That's just the classic sound guy. I just work my pole all day long. And what thanks do I get? But it is, like every once in a while, my favorite is whenever there's like uh, somebody like an extra or like a PA who's never PA'd before or something like that. And that starry eyed look they, they get in their eyes like, oh, my God, we're making a movie. Oh. They all sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we are, we are making a movie. It's a it's a good movie. Oh, thank you, babe. The next thing I want to touch on is like basically there are two types of directors. There are the writer directors, which Jacob, you are definitely one of those, and then there is the kind of the hired gun director, which you all have been. So, like, let's talk about the difference between the two, like the ways that you would approach being a writer director versus like you know all the M for every M Night Shyamalan. There's you know the the typical working director. So can we can we kind of touch on that a little bit? For <laughs> Can everyone just <laughs> like, touch Jacob for yeah, a second, make him feel awkward. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I mean, the basic d- difference for listeners between a writer director and a director for hire is obviously it's kind of in the name. The writer director has written mm-hmm. the script and has now probably been at it from the very beginning. Whereas a director for hire, um, there was probably a script that was written by a writer, and then they found some producers, and then the producers found the director. There's kind of a more of a process there. Um, but, um, I guess it just comes down to like, it ultimately like the job is the same. Like as a director, you need to find something in the story that speaks to you. And like, you need to find that, that vision for what this movie is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, writer directors, a lot of times the, the their scripts are going to be a lot different than a script that was written for a director for hire. Cause a lot of times, like when I write my scripts, a lot of times they're not really written for like me to like impress someone else with it. Like it's more of like, right. it's almost like a note to myself on set. Like remember to, to do this thing. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <Wink. exactly>. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and so like that, that, that vision kind of starts much, much earlier in the process. And then I'm a huge part of it, but that doesn't mean you can't find something in a script that's already been written. Cause that's probably why you signed on to do it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, so yeah, you just kind of have to find what, what's in there. And then from there it's, it's planning the movie just as you would as a, a writer director. Um, you might have to collaborate more with the, the writer or something like that. Um, but, um, ultimately you're still at the, the, the top of the peak, um, yeah. um, creative decision. And so you just kind of find what, what you want to say with the story yeah. and then move from there. And probably the biggest difference between the two is at what point does your objectivity end, right? Mm. Because if you if you start uh, as the writer, you have a very uh, uh, firm vision from the very beginning. Mm. When you come on as a director, you've you uh, for hire, you've you're seeing hopefully something that's been rewritten many 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 times. Mm-hmm. You can jump in at that point, 
and have that's when your objectivity begins uh and it and it ends you know a few minutes later but uh the that's the best part about filmmaking is that you can help maintain your objectivity through collaboration yeah and so you know i, th- I think uh someone out there if you're listening and you've written something and you want to direct it, hold very, very loosely to your ideas and surround yourself with people who are very, very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And your vision will be so much better than uh, it ever was with you by yourself, alone in your room, and your underwear. Because <laughs> that's how everyone writes their exactly. scripts. Am I right? That's typically how I do my podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I decided... Not don't wear pants. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Um, so I feel like to be successful in today's market, because I, I feel like the and correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think that a Stanley Kubrick, if he was just starting off as the Stanley Kubrick he was, could be successful in today's market? Because I don't feel like that could happen, but I could be wrong. Well, sooner than later, uh, uh, American filmgoers are going to be hungry for it because mm. all we're being fed are franchises right now. Yeah. So, right. Sure. So, I mean, well, it, I'm not talking it, like so much on a storytelling standpoint. I'm talking like on the techni- on the technical, like creating the movie, how he goes way over budget. Basically, I'm touching on like st- the importance of staying on budget and on schedule. Oh, well. I mean, I think Kubrick is, like, an exception because, like, I mean, he was a director for Hire at first. Like, he directed Spartacus and stuff like that. Um, and so um, he, it wasn't until he had, like, gained that success that he was able to start doing that stuff and then his movies made money. Um. So he was he was given that leeway. Um, uh, most directors, for instance, myself, would not be able to get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so it's kind of, you have to, like, prove yourself, prove that it's worth all that extra junk Yeah. Um, for someone like that to continue to get hired. So yeah, I yeah. definitely think someone like Kubrick wouldn't make it today because he'd be an indie director. Um, yeah. And then, because um, like really there's, there's a lot of great independent cinema right now. Um, yeah. And so um, if he proved himself and had producers that believed him and his movies made money, then yeah. Realize the trick is the ma- is the movies making it's the money. The money. <laughs> Get away with murder. Yeah. yeah, but um, like for the for the typical non Stanley Kubrick, yeah, like let's talk about the importance of staying on schedule and on budget. <laughs> That's not the director's problem. <laughs> Someone else gets paid to do. <laughs> Usually, it does say if you're if you if you got a crew and you're yeah, you, yeah. you've delegated that yeah. right. Yeah. You've delegated that out. That's bad cop's job. <laughs> but, but if you are the director, I constantly have to change my shot list so that mm-hmm. uh, so that we can all succeed, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I shoot something completely different than what I set out to almost every time I jump on set because we're not going to make our day yeah. if I don't change. Uh, you know, we might, but yeah. it's much easier to just uh, be creative and figure out how to make some adjustments really quick. Yeah. Um, how much do you guys actually, add? That's actually the fun part for me. Is, oh, it's so much is, fun. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. how can we recombine these those three shots that I wanted yeah. to do into one? Yeah. And how many times are you more proud of what you did? Every time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, and like I know whenever Patrick and I are working together, that there's nothing that we hate more than going into overtime, overtime, quote unquote, or mm-hmm. like I, I hate 
whenever you and I are shooting something, I hate going over 10 hours. Like in a 12 hour day is pretty typical. For us, it's like if we go over 10 hours, we're like, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> I think we've done it once. I don't. We've only gone over time once, I think. I think that's, yeah, I think we've only gone once. Because we despise it that much. But And Ooh, still, that moment has stuck with you this long. <laughs> I know. Go. The one time we went into overtime. <laughs> to the point where now you talk about it as though it's happened many times. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's that bad. <laughs> How much do you guys, like, as directors, because, like, I think that is a good point that you bring up that's not necessarily the, the director's job, but how it much is. do you guys worry about the finances? As a director, how much do you worry about the money that's being spent every day? Because typically, if, you're, if we're talking, like, a full-budget film that's being shot i think it's safe to say you're spending at least ten thousand dollars a day how much do you guys care about that (laughs) um and that's if you're ten thousand dollars we're talking like full-scale movie i was gonna say on nostalgia i was very worried about it (laughs) because that was was the whole budget (laughs) 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 um i think i mean it's one of those things like you just have to balance it with everything and then a lot of it is just planning ahead of time um, and planning as much as you can. You'll never be as prepared as you want to be, uh, but plan a lot. So then when you're on set and like these guys are talking about how like things change almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a really strong plan and know the things that you need, changing really isn't that hard because you know what you still need to get. Um, even if the shots aren't exactly the same uh, that you thought. Um, and so I think, yeah, as far as like, money and schedule and stuff like that. Yeah. You do have to constantly think about it. You have someone else there on set yeah. who's really concerned with it. <laughs> um, the first AD, and which you we're going to touch that's, on. Yeah, that's really important is having a first AD who's like personality works well with yours and stuff like yeah. that, because then they can prod you to go faster. Um, whichever, you know, we all have our different w- motivations, things that motivate us, motivate us. And so having an AD that understands that. Yeah. Um, and, um, is also understandable of like the creative side, because if you go too fast or if you, you know, um, uh, or just trying to cram too much into a short amount of time, then you're going to start losing stuff. And that's when the quality is going to start going down, but you can't spend weeks and weeks shooting, you know, an eighth of a page or something. Right. Um, right. And so, um, you just kind of have to, you got to find that balance. A lot of it is just like having, the, the the collaborators you need around you but also planning a lot ahead of time mm-hmm. and but also being like malleable to what is actually happening in front of you yeah what are your thoughts on like the importance between the relationship between the first it well okay first of all to back to kind of back it up for the listeners describe what the difference is between a director and a first assistant director what does the director not do that the first ad does do <laughs> It's really a lot like the relationship between a golfer and his caddy. I mean, you are the um, the consigliere. Is that is that how you say? Bless it? you, consigliere. 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 To to the dawn, and so uh, a lot of a lot of a great first AD is going to uh, be able to tell you what you're doing wrong, right? You're hey, we don't want to cross the line. Guy entered the frame. In this shot, he should be in the frame in your second shot, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They, they need to know how the frame works and how the shots work. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, uh, they're uh, in charge of a lot more than that. Um, and I'll let you guys. Because um, I, mean, I don't know what they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I've never been I mean, one. scheduling is their big thing. Um, 
and uh, so they're they're in charge of you. You work with your AD ahead of time um, and your other collaborators, like your DP or whatever, to figure out generally like, okay, we need to shoot five pages of script on this day. Here's the scenes we have in this location. Like, so they're the ones that like kind of balance all that. Like, here's the locations. Here's when they're available. Here's how much we need to shoot there. Here's our time to shoot there. Uh, and then breaks that down by, you know, down to, you know, half hour increments or even down to five minute increments or whatever, just to make sure that we're all on schedule. So they know, okay, on noon, on Tuesday, we need to be halfway through shooting this scene so we can shoot something three days later in this other location or something like that. So they have to like balance. I still have no idea all that. that It's yeah. That's why I don't do it. (laughs) And so their, their job with the director is to, and the crew um, is to make sure everybody just keeps moving. That's yeah. that's their really number one thing. It's just like keep everybody moving. Yeah, um, make the day the is the phrase. The first AD yeah. is the uh, guy in Ben Hur in the in the galley hitting the drums. That's a really good description. That's really what they do. Yeah. And, and and the director is is the commander of the ship. Um, and there is kind of a, um, a big uh, line. So like a first AD, first assistant director almost never does anything creatively. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're also, um, there's also good utility with a first AD in um, they shield the director um, because, yeah, we talk about creating that collaborative atmosphere where everyone's coming up with ideas. That's great, except if everyone's coming up to the director individually and say, what about this? What about this? What about this? Especially like when you're, you might be thinking about, okay, I need to get this shot and what, what the next shot's going to be. And then somebody's going to come up to you and talk about uh, a lighting cue or a, or a prop or a wardrobe thing, and that can break your concentration. So the first AD kind of filters things out and kind of keeps your headspace clean. And then once you've made a decision, and then now, now you're free to then discuss what the next uh, collaborator wants to talk with you about. So, yeah. so that um, way you're not, someone's not coming yeah. up to you like, like the actor won't come out of the bathroom. Like that's not your problem. The, the first AD can yeah. kind of cut that off. Exactly. And be like, no, no, let's yeah. not go to the director with that. We'll handle the actor that is being difficult or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That actually, yeah. that that's a perfect segue to the next question, which is like sometimes to 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 pull out a performance from an actor. How do you deal with pulling performance from an actor who is being difficult, who's being kind of a diva? Have you all ever had that experience? With you have to go into the bathroom with them. <laughs> <laughs> now <you> listen. <laughs> you just join them. Yeah. Hopefully there's like a tandem toilet. Yeah. And you just kind of commiserate you just, together. You just hold their hand and you get through the scene. You give them little pat, pats of encouragement. And yeah. <laughs> or, think, or a mighty shove. <laughs> I'm trying to think because like the only time that I ever saw a diva actor on set where the director had to get directly involved was on Teata with Corianka Kilcher and she had locked herself in her trailer and we didn't roll well past lunch because she wouldn't leave her trailer. And I, I have no idea what magic sauce the director, because the director did get involved. Like he finally, he was like, this is BS. We need to get in there. And like, I can't remember what he, I don't know what he did. He might've smacked her around. I don't know. <laughs> but what would you have done? left a trail of tacos between the <laughs> no um yeah I, I can't speak to like having like a true like diva moment deal but I mean I've had some some actors who just wouldn't act mm. they're and not giving you what yeah, what and, yeah. And, that, and to that end uh, the key there is just patience 
yeah. absolute eternal patience. And then you start kind of keeping track of performances per take. And um, you really try to, you know, you push them in one direction and the other. Uh, and sometimes you have to be like really, really extreme with it. And it's like, okay, go big, wild, crazy. And they up maybe one level. Yeah. Okay. But then that gives you the first part of that take was better. And then they slip back in and then you have to go, okay, well, uh, give me really, really subdued and then go big crazy at the end. And you really kind of have to guide them through the thing you can never really do is, you know, make them into a puppet and give them line reads. Right. Say it just like this. Uh, well, yeah, because actors are sensitive. Oh, so that's, like, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the, a good, and there, I, I'd say there no-no. are a few, uh, actors that probably would want that. Um, but I don't oh, yeah. think that those are always the best actors. Like right. they, some, some, I, I know people who want to be told what exactly you're looking for, mm-hmm. but that's kind of a rare. I mean, I think view. that's part of being a director though, is finding out. Cause like every set, like every actor has their own method or yeah. whatever. So, some are method acting. Some are Meisner. Some are something in between. Some are, you know, uh, some don't really have, they just kind of go up there and say <laughs> lines. And so like part of being a director is like finding, okay, what each person, you can't treat them all the same. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, and so kind of finding each kind of what their distinct style is and what gets them to come out. Some, uh, sometimes it is like just being very blunt. Like I need you to walk from here to here. I need you to stop exactly right here. Yeah. And then others, you can be more vague, like, Oh, you know, you've just, you know, you're, uh, you've just walked out of, you know, the bathroom and, but you know, like whatever, like just really you're vague. extremely relieved. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thunderstorm really relieved. Yeah. in Vegas. Um, gotcha. and then they yes. get it. And so you just kind of, you just got to find what works for them. Like I think some, I, I try to avoid like line readings, but sometimes if that gets the performance, sometimes I want, yeah. Why, yeah. Not? Yeah. why not? Sure. And I'll preface it. I was like, Hey, I need it I, for the joke to work. Like, yeah. And this is, it's mainly been on commercials, uh, but for the joke to work, I need it in this, this tone, way. In this mm-hmm. That's sometimes have, rhythm is important. I feel yeah, like yeah. comedy, you're probably going to see more line reads. Am I? Would you agree with that? If they don't get the beat, like if they don't understand, if they don't get the beat. Yeah, yeah if yeah. they don't understand how the beat works, mm-hmm. then you, sometimes you have to mimic the Absolutely. beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's yeah, that's the one genre that it's like timing and beats and all that kind of stuff is yeah. so freaking yeah. important. Um, so. Uh, last question for you. Maybe, maybe not the actual, actual last question, but like, this is a, an important one. Um, how do you please everyone? <laughs> <laughs> That's very personal. <laughs> <laughs> what is your key to pleasure? <laughs> I don't think I ever set out to please anyone. Um, and that, and I'm probably lucky that that's, that's probably my default. I would much rather the world serve me. Mm. Uh, I think I think the world would be a much better place. Um, it was my plate of chicken nuggets. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, because I mean, if, if you set out to please everyone, I, I I just don't think that's a great way to live. No matter what you're doing, um, it's maybe a stressful if, way to live. Maybe if you're a butler, uh, but uh, <laughs> how may I serve you, Master Wayne? Yeah, I think it goes back to uh, be grateful, being grateful. Um, if, if that's if that's your your you know your primary motivation and, and what you're feeling when you're on set, it, it doesn't really change from from the moment you first get on and you're working free or you're working for for gas money or whatever. You have to you have to be really good at what you do, and you have to um, have a great attitude. 
once you're a director, the same two rules apply. Mm. There's just a lot more consequences if you're not. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, uh, just having a great attitude as, as a director is probably the best thing you can do for everyone. Yeah. I'm going to drop a K law. You remember the K laws? Oh yeah. Uh, Kayla, uh, Jake and I went to film school together, and uh, our our mentor teacher Fritz Kirsch at uh, Oklahoma City University, uh, oh, he would hey, have oh. sayings, and they would, we'd call them Kayla Kirsch laws. Nice. Um, but everyone serves the movie, mm-hmm. um, so there is no pleasing everybody else. It's everyone is serving and essentially trying to please the movie, mm-hmm. um, and that is what and is. And if you as the director take that mindset on everyone follows suit. And so you don't have to worry about pleasing them. They're, they're just going to, to follow suit and you get the best movie possible, which is what pleases everybody at the end of the nice. day. If you mm-hmm. mean, um, cause it's really, you know, again, for me, and I've, and I've had some, some recent revelations about my own like filmmaking thing is like, like I don't really care about success anymore. Yeah, like I care yeah. more about becoming like a big famous director. And right, all that. I care yeah. more about being on set and practicing the craft. Yeah, and mm-hmm. getting that right, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, and being willing to fail too. Yeah, like we I feel to. like that's a really big right. thing. I mean, with anything, you've got to be willing to fail and screw up. Yeah, it's never. We all come up with this this thing in our head, this picture of image, what what this scene's going to be and what that shot's going to be. It's not going to match. So accept that right away. Yeah, um, and. In so doing, that's 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 serving the movie and um, letting go of the result and just practicing the craft. Yeah. So um, this will this will be the last last question, and then we might have some time for a game. I know you've got to go. Uh, yeah, as I say, I don't know. Our game master <laughs> I think has I need to, to leave. Go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but um, last thing, like to the aspiring filmmaker out there, what advice do you have to give to anybody that wants to be a director? Watch movies. Watch a lot of movies, um, even bad movies. Um, one of the right most off Netflix on your taxes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like it's one research. Of the, one of the most inspiring things to me is to watch a bad movie and say I could do better than that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so watch the room. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely watch the room. Um, and watch and watch great movies and be like, wow, like I want to aspire to that. I want to do mm. that someday. Um, so I think. Yeah, that's really important. Like, watch movies and then just take note of what you like and don't like about them and figure out how to do it. Yep. Yeah, and then make use of the director's commentaries if, if you've mm-hmm. got a DVD of it. Um, another great, in, in very similar, Mystery Science Theater 3000 yes. is, is where mm-hmm. I developed a big taste for, okay, what not to do, but or what you can get away with being bad on purpose, which is always great. Ah. Um, but my main piece of advice is uh, stick to it. Because it is tough, it is rough. There is no such thing as instant success. The instant successes that you see um, are, you know, very few and far between. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of more people doing this um, at various levels who are making a living. But it's not like, you know, Beverly Hills swimming pool stuff. Right. Um, and uh, getting back to, you know. Uh, talking about going on and taking the jobs so that you learn the positions on set, take the jobs so you can survive. Mm. Um, there's that aspect too. Cause you do have to be able to pay your bills while you're still pursuing. And for me at least I cannot, I can't be successful as as a surviving as a filmmaker doing the part-time job, doing something else. 
It's just not everyone's built and wiredly differently. If you can do that, great. But I I have to keep my schedule clear. And when I really started being able to support myself as a filmmaker is when I dropped taking jobs, doing other things. Yeah. And that way, because the number of times I had to like pass on a job because I was I had a shift schedule and I couldn't get rid of it. Well, <sighs> guess what? That hap- what happens then is then that person's not going to call you the next time you yep. move, you that move down the list. Yep. Um, and so you have to be available. You have to make yourself available and you have, you have to basically, uh, I guess long story short is fully commit to it. Hmm. Um, because there, there is no straddling in this particular industry because there's too many people who want to be in filmmaking because there's, you know, this magical allure to it, um, who will, who will make that sacrifice. They will make themselves available and they'll go to the top of the list and you will start falling down. Yeah. Um, Cause I know that happened to me uh, much, much earlier back in the early part of my career is that I definitely was doing the, the, the split thing and eventually got to the point where the job that the Man, call stopped so, coming. Uh, yeah. So, so oh, you know, oh, thankfully the film program at OCU started back up and I was able to jump back in, grab my degree and then get, back to fully committed and you know i've been basically doing it ever since yeah but it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be huff but go for it <laughs> brian uh i would say if you want to be a director and you haven't started directing uh you need to get busy you need to make make your own way uh, uh start directing today just don't wait for someone to ask you also something else is um uh, try to insert yourself in uh, places where content is being created. So what I did uh, is I um, I took a job at a church where I had to make videos every single week. Um, I had to direct them. I had to write them. I had to produce them. I had to do everything. And they paid me to do that. They paid me to learn. Uh, start a YouTube channel. That's awesome. Start a YouTube channel and commit to uh, working every single week. Be an intern at a video production company. Just be somewhere where stuff is getting made every single week. And uh, be on time, be polite, use your manners, and work really hard. Yep. Boom. I love it. Well, I think we have enough time for, like, one game. I know you you got to go, like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Which uh, Would you prefer to play interrogation or... Uh, the deleted scenes. Ooh, uh, let's do. Oh man, I don't let's know. Do interrogation. You, you guys want to do interrogation? Why not? Which one requires less of me? <laughs> <laughs> Either. I don't. It, yeah. I don't think I've ever played this game, so I don't know. Okay, so if we're doing interrogation, the way it works is uh, we're going to have a crime that they wrote down for us. Uh, suggestion of a crime that was committed, a silly crime. Um, or what we think or is a crime. What we think is a crime. <laughs> yeah. We don't know what it is, but we're going to interrogate the person like we do until we find out what they oh. did. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How does this work? We're blind to the crime. They don't you know, know what the crime, crime is. Yeah. 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 So we're interrogating is. you about a so crime. So why don't we be like be a team? You're going to slowly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There right. we go. I love this. All right. So this is interrogation. <laughs> and again, <laughs> listeners, disclaimer okay. the bar for quality improv is very low because we're also, we haven't even warmed up or anything. I have a lot of ignorance and that specific okay. area. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, listen at? up here. Yeah. This is my partner, Officer Day. I'm Day. My name is Officer Biaz. That's right. 
Now, we know. Diaz. Diaz. We know what you did. But really, we need you to write down on that paper right here why you did it. All right? So, uh. Why'd you do it, you sick people? I'm trying not to cuss right now because we're trying to be censored for the audience. Why'd you do it? Why'd you, why'd you, why'd you, why? We're starting with you, Frank. You're the one I saw first. Well, um, I had a really good new way of making antimatter, so. Of course, you and your antimatter, you had a good way. You had a good method. (laughs) One you probably worked on for a real long time, I'm sure. (laughs) Antimatter. Anti-you. It was like a week, but, you know. Just because you're some scientist doesn't mean you can commit this kind of a crime. You don't have the right. Well, Starfleet doesn't, like, pay money because there's no, like, money in it. So I kind of had to do what I kind of did. Well, now that Frank's spilling, how about you, Josh? <laughs> Tell us, Joshua. Josh. Joshua Francis. I know how your middle you know name, name, Joshua Francis. You tell us how you got looped into this. Are you in on it? Or were you just pulled on in innocently from his coaxing fingers? Huh? Well, I was hanging out in the neutral zone and uh, just, uh, you know, just kind of got wrapped up in it. Neutral zone. What makes a man go neutral is what I want to know. Lust for power. <laughs> I was going to say gold. <laughs> So you were hanging out in the neutral zone with your antimatter machine. Okay, okay. Look, the campaign contacted me. I did not contact the campaign. Okay. So, so you're you're nonpartisan in this. You 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 weren't actively trying to commit a crime. No. They just convinced you. Did they come to you with money? Is there money involved? Is it my money? It's the taxpayers' money. So you are committing a crime against humanity. In general, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get a cup of coffee for me and my partner here, and I'm going to think over this for a second, and who knows, I might spit it in your face if you don't, if you don't get it together, you and your antimatter and your neutral zone. We need like, details. Like Starfleet even cares. So... <laughs> Now the day's gone. It's just you and me, buddy boys. And I know not much about this crime, but I understand that it's illegal. (laughs) And I also understand that my phone is telling me it is time to lay down the law. Are you con? Way off, no. (laughs) Dave! Damn it! Dave, you're leading the witness! Or the criminal. Wait, we can do that in here, right? Turn the cameras off. Turn the cameras off. I'm going to turn these cameras off. All right. All right. Guys, guys, come on. The boss is breathing down my neck. I just need you to tell me. Throw me a bone Details of why you did it. Who died. Throw us just. Let me level with you. We're really bad detectives. (laughs) And we really need a promotion. It's true. So. Starfleet and antimatter in the neutral zone. I'm lost as crap, okay? (laughs) You forgot about the campaign. Campaign. I don't play D and D. No, for for president of the Federation. Oh. Yes. This goes all the way up to the president. Yeah. Oh, I think we're in over our heads here. We are. (laughs) 
All right, you there, know what? There was a quid Lucky pro for quo you. that involved a batleth, and maybe Worf was involved. Who knows? What? All I know is that it's probably from Star Trek <laughs> Generations, and I can't think of what it's called. Did you get Worf to steal something for you? <laughs> He had some damaging information about uh, uh, the president, uh, the, uh, the rival, rival president. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, it ca- and it came from the Klingon High Command. <laughs> Hello, I'm the commissioner. Oh, hey, boss, uh, we're, we're working them real good over here, uh, real hard, real good. Yeah, well, I just wanted you to know that you all passed this test. We actually no, you didn't pass this test at all. Uh-huh. Lights up, lights up, everybody. Okay, obviously our two actors are far too good for you two. I'm sorry, I was trying my best. My accent changed all of a sudden. So did mine. But so, I still gave it my all. But I have I, no idea what they did. So you, the, really at the end of the day, I think, it's, uh, I think we need to reevaluate you two and uh, send you back through school. But I think it's important for the, for the crime to be acknowledged by our two actors. You know what? Tell our two detectives what you're all about. Well, you guys aren't going to take a guess? <laughs> I honestly uh, messed up the papers and I can't remember which one I gave you. <laughs> Collusion with the Klingons. Collusion with the Klingons. Obviously, obviously. You guys are the worst detectives <laughs> ever. <laughs> click, <laughs> pop, click, click. <laughs> well, crap. <laughs> We're really bad at this. We're never going to pass think of a Klingon thing. name for Trump. <laughs> ding, that was my ding, problem. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That was uh, wow. wow. We suck so bad. <laughs> and aren't like was, aren't like the Klingons supposed to be uh, you know representative of the Soviets? Correct. See, like this is such ah. a timely. Uh, well, the man, I was thinking, you? okay, is it, is it Futurama? Job. Is it Star Trek? Is it Rick and Morty? Antimatter threw me off. I was like, crap. What's that? <laughs> Very much All Star Trek. <laughs> Although like, okay. Ryan is wearing a Star Wars '77 shirt, so That's true. I guess yeah. <laughs> Maybe I've written a collusion with the Empire. We would have worked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next class. Well well done. Well done. Well, um, I know Kelly has to go, so we're gonna everybody bid her. Well, you probably Kelly. No, I was just gonna say some of the other crimes here. (laughs) uh, I just want to throw them out there because they're great. (laughs) Stole snake from the zoo. Ah. (laughs) That was fine. Stealing teeth. Children's teeth. That's a Civil War like battle crash. Oh, James, stole my tooth. <laughs> Unlicensed dentistry. A lot of things about teeth. <laughs> What's the deal with the teeth? About. But now I'm going to have nightmares about that tooth fairy that goes and steals mm-hmm. kids' teeth. Mm-hmm. Don't watch. I, I still oh, also I love the scene hate that movie. deleted scene. Which was... Yes, I know. I was going to say, you know, you guys can save the deleted scenes for maybe a, a deleted podcast, maybe a yeah, special well, podcast Yeah, well, that'll be a special show. edition. Yeah. We'll have you guys back and do a yeah. <laughs> All right. special no, deleted gonna... scene of the deleted scene yeah, that's right. stuff. But thank you guys. I'm going to say thank you. You guys finish up here. Thank you guys so much. It was so much PC fun learning from you. Uh, I'm going to direct my first something. Boom. Tonight Do it. At Do home. It. It's a child movie of my kids. Boom. And Kelly's running super late, and it's my fault. Yep. No, so. it's good. It's good. <laughs> got to go uh, to a children's choir. Church. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and Kelly's got to go. So, uh, you guys, where can we find y'all online for all the listeners to find you? Uh, www. Patrickkirk.com. And? 
Oh, uh, Twitter and Instagram should now be uh, at director at OKC. Boom. Jacob, where can we find you? Um, like a thousand see. places. Yeah, we can there's find a million you. places. Uh, we'll say you can find my production company, Planet Thunder Productions, at planetthunderfilms.com. There's also an electricnostalgiafilm.com. And then on uh, Twitter and Instagram, it should be at Boom Down. Both of them. I, fr- I, I love your <laughs> handle. I've always wanted to know how to correctly pronounce it. Boom Digadown. Boom Digadown. Boom Digadown. It's like you're dropping a beat. <laughs> and I actually let my domain uh, d- expire because I don't care. <laughs> and so. Uh, that's uh, so a yeah. level of security we all wish we had. <laughs> yeah. So you can, uh, you can see all of our work at skitguys.com. Sweet. And, um, and also Behold Motion Pictures. Yeah, that's really just for uh, for tax purposes. So <laughs> okay. IRS, if you're listening. Hey, man, it's real. These are not the taxes you're looking for. The struggle <laughs> is real. And, of course, for all of you listeners, you can find the Okie Show Show at Okie Show Show on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, be sure to tell your friends to subscribe and share these podcasts from iTunes Podcasts. Look us up on Facebook at Okie Show Show, and that's pretty much it. We're going to see you guys in the next two weeks. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. And normally I'd have a bell to ding right now, but ding. Bye.